0: Podcast two oh one. Hello, this is Joy McGarry, um, professional inline skater for twenty years. I am uh blessed in all disciplines of inline skating just kidding I'm not actually that good but I'm better than I was Todd and I were talking the other day about how um we were really bad at skating when we had a lot of time to do it like we would drive to these skate parks and uh and go film, like drive there in the morning. All of us had night jobs. We would work like 6 p.m. to 11. So we would have all day to skate and we would drive to park. And Lucy, oh, oh shit, Lucy. To get the spray bottle out for that one are you done are you done we would go to these skate parks and what what in my head what my memory is of like oh yeah where you got to skate all day and and uh and film we weren't really that good and we couldn't even really skate the parks properly um so I get like, I get more skating in sometimes now in, in an hour or two than I did a whole day at a skate park. If that makes any sense. Like, I didn't even know how to use the whole park properly. I didn't know how to get speed from the banks. And even before that, like when you're really young, it's funny to think that, that we must have looked so crazy. Like there's this big park, but you would just line up to like a ledge and and uh, you're, you're sharing the park with these sports that have grown up watching videos, and there's people who know how to utilize the whole park and know the lines, whether they're on a bike or a skateboard. And here would be these rollerbladers waddling up, uh, lining up to a ledge and sliding down it. And uh, if they did, like, try and hit a launch box or something, they would they would be like running almost to get speed and then you would touch your boots or whatever. It was super fun, don't get me wrong, but now that we're all older, the demographic of rollerblading is like plus 25. <laughs> Careful, loose. don't puke. Uh, the demographic of rollerblading is like, at least in North America, or I don't know if it's worldwide, especially for aggressive skating, it's not like we have a lot of younger people. So we're all a lot of us know how to skate parks now and, um, that's a good thing. Longside trail. Um, I've been skating a lot lately, even before work. It's, this winter has been, uh, I feel like I'm not talking in my normal voice because I haven't recorded a solo cast in a while, so, I'll get there though. It's always rusty for the first little bit. I'm, I'm drinking a La Fin du Monde ah, that uh, my old business partner bought for me a while back and I just didn't drink it because it had like um, like this old OE that I have in the basement um, as a souvenir from when we were editing the first how to be unpopular video, um, which I'll get to an extra point in a sec. I'm totally being my dad right now and just so many side trails. Um, it has the lafin dumont i didn 't drink it for the longest time because like the o e in the basement, the souvenir for how to be unpopular it has like floaties in it, and uh it's a uh, shit i don't know i don't know enough about beers, but it you think that there's something wrong with it, but I think the floaties are just normal it 's just like yeast sediment um but it's definitely a a strong beer, so hopefully i don't do too many uh, lip smacks or get up a line on this podcast i gotta get up early i want to go skating it was so fucking cold though um walking home today from work well i took the bus for a little bit then i walked home and uh it the cold has been manageable like um skating in the mornings before work or skating in the mornings on the weekend like really early as soon as the sun comes up around 730 ish i've been going skating And warm-up takes a little bit longer, but like even if you're not wearing gloves, doing up your laces hurts your hands so much. Um, And and today, like the wind chill was extra bad. But hey, if there's no snow on the ground, it's been a crazy winter, like more skating this winter than any other winter than I can remember. Because at least... um, even if there hasn't been a lot of snow in previous winters, it hasn't it, it's always like stuck around for a little bit longer or there's been smaller dumps here and there. But this was just like extreme dump of snow in the new year, but beautiful like day of skating on boxing day. And then just this big dump of snow, and I thought, you know, that was gonna be it until March at least, and that I'd be skiing more, but then it just it just turned into super warm mild weather and there's just been a lot of skating and even um when we have to skate the parkades and things it's it's raining outside and it's damp but it's still really warm so um I've been skating a lot and plus there's just been so many exciting things about setups that that's the reason I'm recording this podcast is just to get all this stuff down that I can't like talk to anybody at work or my lady about this stuff. I can't. I can't just like blab for an hour about um, after trying Joe Gary's aggressive setup. What it, how it made me feel about the 100s, and then trying 110s, and how that made me feel about the 80s. And there's a lot of shit that I want to talk about. Um, so that's another reason. It's just been so exciting to like get up. I have to go to work at nine, so I have. I usually get up at 6.30 in the morning, and if it's a good day, I get up at 6, and that's three hours to skate, but the sun comes up around 7, so it's tricky sometimes, but um, there's a couple shifts here and there where I start at 12, which means I can skate for a few hours before work. That is a good day. The person that you are um, after skating compared to the person that you are before skating it's completely different I swear it's some kind of uh, the ritual part of it taps into some kind of religious thing in terms of like after a good session how you feel even if it's a solo session um, you're just a completely different person things roll off your back a lot easier and you're it's gotta tap into some kind of similar thing to Meditating or praying or exercise definitely releases dopamine, but there's something about like the movements of skating, how it's, um, they're not, uh, it's not like you're doing a set series of movements, you're just kind of flowing around. And especially lately, um, using the hundreds and the hundred, the 110s and the, and the 100s, skating had skating the park, it's weird, it closed in one way and then opened up another way and then trying aggressives at the park, opened it up one way and closed another way, if that makes any sense. Um, it's cool because I've been trying just a bunch of different setups. And I can't, the the, I, the fact that there's been more skating happening um, over winter than any other winter and i'm 32 going on 33 is really exciting it's actually hard to concentrate sometimes there there's so much um even outside of me going skating there's so much exciting stuff happening with skating i'm always a huge nerd for it i'm always i'm always trying to keep up with things but um skating is just exciting which is devastating that i can't go to the powwow because i think this is the year to go more than any other year this is it feels like maybe maybe we all say this every year but it does feel like i don't know rollerblading is more intelligent than it's been and it could be that the fact that the 25 plus thing a lot of us are just like we're older we have jobs we have wives we have kids we have lives that are it's very far from what we grew up on like the whole rock star bullshit that we were fed for so long it, it's like it's a joke now if that resonates with anybody like the idea of skating to probably most people is it's something that you do when you have Spare time to do it and then you're at work or on your phone and you're kind of You're on Facebook or Instagram and you're still connected to this community But it's more about like the little bits of spare time that we have or trips like the powwow or skate trips with your friends it's not like It's not like any one of us really care To see someone look really fucking cool in an edit smoking a cigarette or something like that and doing really crazy shit we just we're just excited like people posting their setups people um people posting like realist i don't like realist like a grind box edit of just stylish tricks or like the blade museum stuff is amazing that cause that dude he didn't get a, a Best of Blade award, more because like I think he'll deserve some kind of lifetime achievement <laughs> award or we'll build a statue of him or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, let's build a statue of Kazoo. The Blade Museum stuff, you know, there's like skating has changed so much um, for the better. And I, I still feel like there's the whole marketing side of it can be very confusing that I think there's some people who are still trying to market to teenagers and people in their early twenties. And that's not Jason Marshall. I always reference this, you know, like it really comes down to people just want to skate shit. That's um, comfortable, like a skate that they're going to like. And it, and that's about it. Like if you only have one time to skate every week or maybe you only skate like once every two weeks, Um, and that's what skating is to you. You don't, I don't know, it's more personal and it's more about like the community of skating. Hopefully I'm not talking over my ass, but I have a note here. Um, sometimes you just have to speak even if it's not right to everybody, you just have to talk because like I said, I can't, I can't just talk to my coworker in the office or my boss and be like, Yo, I, I just got my ground control bigs and I I set them up flat, but they didn't feel that great. They felt a little sticky, um, but I went to the old park because the pavement's not as good there. I should have gone to the new park. Um, so then I had to order 68s for the outside, but now they feel way way better, but it it rained the morning. I was supposed to go skating, so I haven't tried them yet. And compared to Natural Rocker, they feel like this. Like I can't... I can't say any of that stuff. Like, I can't. I can do small bursts of of excitement to to my lady or to my coworker. Just like, I got this cool new frame sample, and I'm really excited to try it. Or, I got to skate this weekend. Or I'm hoping to skate this weekend. Or, um, Lacey sometimes just like watches me sit there, like. <laughs> the past two weeks it's been um obsessively skating in the mornings obsessively editing in spare time and then obsessively setting up skates i don't know there's just this this excitement around skating especially now that i'm kind of starting to realize there's there's kind of two distinct setups for me and you could get into having a third or a fourth but um it's starting to be really clear, but it's going to get extra confusing, um, which I'll talk about in a bit. That I feel like the two can merge into one once you learn everything you need to from trying like the biggest wheels with the longest frames, and then using your aggressives or a friend's aggressives, like Joe Gary's, um, and then. And then taking a lot from those two and seeing like, okay, well, what setup's in the middle? Because I thought that the the GC bigs were going to be closer to the middle, but they're not actually. They're more further on the side of aggressive. And then the 110s are super far on the other side, so it's getting interesting, let me tell you. Um, but first, I just want to talk about... Um, the Montre VOD that came out today. Um, I remember seeing like the picture, the kind of like the ad or the preview that I shared. Lots of people shared. I can't remember if it was a picture, and it was Drew Backrack like squatting was on the stairs filming, and it was like you know one magazine. Presents six days in L.A. Filmed and edited by Drew Backrack, produced by Justin Eisenger. It was like a one magazine thing, and I don't know the whole thing. I was excited. I, I buy everything, almost everything that comes out. I'm pretty sure I bought everything that I'm up on all my shit. So obviously I'm gonna buy it. But I thought the whole thing was kind of funny that Drew doesn't produce anything really He did soul grind in the last in Lonnie's video And I'm not in Los Angeles, so I don't know what he does locally. I don't Really follow and but I don't remember seeing his name at all recently for making anything or producing anything actually for quite some time not since life plus and I could be completely wrong like I said sometimes you just speak and you could be wrong, and if you don't have all the facts, sometimes you have to speak anyway if your gut says something. So I don't know if everyone else thought this, but when I saw that that it was like going to be a VOD, that Drew just magically is going to produce something again, and I could be completely wrong here, but it just was kind of funny that as soon as you can make money off of rollerblading or they there might be an opportunity to make money. Some people come back, which isn't bad by any means, but um, like, a, like a simple one is like, um, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to make anything if there's not gonna be some kind of return. Like when, when a, a, the Blading Cup TV thing happened and Arlo was the guy who spoke for rollerblading because it was gonna be on TV. And obviously, yes, it makes sense that Arlo was the face of rollerblading for so long. Um but all of a sudden, oh rollerblading is gonna be on TV, okay, Arlo's gonna talk for rollerblading. Oh, you can make money off of these VODs? Oh, uh Drew Backrack, we're gonna use my name because of Life Plus. I don't that stuff um it's like people are free to to make VODs or use their name or, or status to kind of like stake their, put their flag down or stake their claim again in rollerblading. But like, there's so many people who have been doing so much stuff. Um, like even think of Adam Johnson. So he, Pariah and charging, like this guy was charging... Oh, no pun intended. This guy was charging these tours like to credit cards, and and just just driving into oblivion because he he truly believed in rollerblading, whether it was gonna work or not. He wasn't really worried about that. They're like people who just say fuck it and kept making stuff, making videos, making edits, just continually putting out stuff. And there was no VODs for the longest time. And now, again, I could be wrong, but to just like what USD was doing for free mostly anyway, um, it's like an advertisement for a magazine with someone who used to have a video magazine filming and editing it, trying to use his name, which I was excited for because I'm a big fan of under the influence specifically and his skating, Drew Bacharach's skating was amazing. I used um, a couple of his tricks in the best of mushroom blading. No, not best of mushroom blading. Perspectives on mushroom blading. He did like an amazing um, alley-oop-machio, kind of shifty-forward-machio to fakie. Um Yeah, like amazing skating amazing eye for filming and editing but the whole thing just kind of rubbed me the wrong way I still bought the VOD anyway and I don't know I felt disappointed watching it the skating was amazing from from Montre but it just it felt like something that could have just been free that's all that's it why did it have to be a VOD why did it have to be $4. I hope Montre got all the money. Give Montre all the money. Don't take any of the money except for Montre. That's that. I don't know what else to say about that. Hopefully I kind of articulated what I was thinking, but... um, I just think the VOD thing... Yes, people should be able to make money, but... um, Adam Johnson... Is doing it really well like the amount of work that he's put into those V VODs is Because of all of the work that he put in prior to making the VODs making pariah and charging and all the KFC videos like Or there's there's like the DRC Dudes who haven't put out a VOD at all and are doing some of the most interesting shit and It's you don't have to pay anything for it Um, there's the Haitian video people who lived rollerblading for a year or more um put out an amazing video um or like or like alex broskow put something out that guy has lived rollerblading and is rollerblading right now so i just and it's not that that these people don't skate or don't do stuff for skating i just It felt like a cash-in a little bit, and I could be wrong. And if it was a cash-in, I hope it all went to Montre. Um, But then again, you don't have to share where your profits go. Anyways, that's that. So, the other morning, I woke up randomly and was like, I have to do uh, some grinds. I don't know where it came from, but I was like, I have to go to the park and I have to do some grinds. So I borrowed Joe Gary's skates. They had Celtic frames on them and uh, 60 millimeters in the, in the middle, 57s on the outside, and uh, they felt so insanely short because I had been skating uh, the 110 Wizards which I'm not sure how long they are but they're fucking long they're really they're really long not in a bad way because they're rockered so they're still you can control them but I had that classic like K2 fallback feeling and even then I have the yellow super feet in which gives a, a heel lift and uh those skates felt so crazy the aggressives and um, all of a sudden something clicked where I understood that the skating that I was trying to do through like a lot of aggressive skating that I that I did um, and I probably touched on this before but I I wasn't doing it in the right setup and that my grinding and my like general like technique in aggressive skating has improved from skating skates that i can't grind in um the way that i pump the banks at the park and push with my heels who by the way um alex broskow i have even more respect for his skating than i did before that guy you could study how he jumps into banks and quarter pipes. How he pushes with his heels. How he keeps his momentum. Um, it's incredible. He skates his anti rocker setup like he has eighty millimeter flat or hundred millimeter wheels. This the the intricate things that he's able to do with speed and power and jumping into exactly the right spot, landing in exactly the right spot. It's incredible. That bowl edit um, of him skating, even when he grinds now, his grinds are more like airs. So he's kind of like... He's almost floating sometimes over the object. Um, And for someone who doesn't know rollerblading it's probably hard to understand that what he's doing is so incredibly diff- difficult and that he's so he's like mastered such a specific style of skating that it looks so easy like watching a broadcast section um i wish there was another way to to experience a skate video for people who don't skate because I think to see Broskow skate in person at some of those spots would give you a whole new appreciation for the speed and precision at which he does a lot of it, that shit. Um, So I kind of like maybe my skating technique wasn't good until I tried some of these bigger wheel setups and uh, So going back to aggressives, I kind of understood how to use them. It sounds ridiculous because I'm 32, but um, in terms of weight placement and speed, um, keeping speed, how fast I want to go in and out of things, I think Josh Petty's uh, VG7 section is a really good reference point. Or, yeah, Bra Richie Eisler, people who skate fucking fast. In their aggressives, Halfy's just on the Halfy level, so you can't really compare because what he's doing. Um, I would love to have a VOD theme podcast where I show Todd all of like the VODs because he, he doesn't he hasn't seen anything, and I don't think he watches anything um, to to get his feedback on all the different. Uh, vods but haffy is someone who's just like maximized his skates to like there is there is nothing that that guy has left to prove to anybody, especially like even that last voD it was like it was almost like a victory lap because the amount of sections that He, like, you just think of even the main three that people would say. Uh, you could probably put Eric Bailey. Fuck, there's so many good people in rollerblading. But, like, Eric Bailey, Alex Broskow, Chris Haffey, Chris Farmer, like, people that have just put out sections for so long. Like, these are the people you want to be giving money to. Um, Obviously, if Montre is getting all of the $4 or $3.50, by all means, I'll pay that money. Um but like people that have been grinding it out and and living it. Um I digress though. Yeah, or sorry, Hafy is just someone who's like he's maximized everything that he can do on skates. He has nothing left to prove. There after that that street section he put out, there's no reason for him to put out anything more. Um he can just do his thing. Nitro circus. He should get married, have kids, still put out sections and skate if he wants, but he really has nothing left to prove. He's on his own level. Um, But yeah, um, (laughs) trying, trying aggressives again. Yeah, have a new appreciation for the way other people use them and the way that I want to use them. Like I said, going pretty fast, um, and then and then also like execution um 18 plus did this really well and uh the blade museum stuff that Kazi was doing where he's kind of he's constantly posting if you don't follow them on facebook or i think it's rollerblading rollerblading if you follow him that account on facebook he's constantly putting up like amazing old school videos like um yesterday i went nuts over you forget these things you're, you're you're constantly bombarded with so much information that just out of nowhere you see uh dustin latimer do a outspin frontside farve in one of the old medium videos like film of the year or something and you realize like holy fuck, that is like that is the front farve that is If you want to look at how to do a front farve, you look at that front farve. So I'm at work trying to concentrate on doing things that aren't skating, which is uh, really difficult. And um, I see this outspin front farve and then I just, I have uh, like talking to the Lonnie podcast or the Jason Marshall or the Frank Stoner, there's people who give me an, an appreciation for performing a well executed grind. I think we're so bombarded with the way grinds are done today that we forget the first time somebody did a grind like um, that account posted today and I think Frank like wrote an entire piece on on this or at least part of a piece was about this but Jason Marshall did a far-side alley-oop sole to forwards in VG4. And to know that nobody had really done that, one of uh, the mats in Hoax 2 kind of did it true spin far-side and landed in the grass in Hoax 2, but the way Jason Marshall did it, the style there's tricks that you can go back to in our history that are the first time something was done. And a lot of the times the first time something is done for, sometimes it can be not good. Guilty, 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 guilty myself many times over. Um, The first time you try something, it might not look the best, but sometimes the first time somebody does something, you go back and you look at it and you're like, wow, I really have no integrity on my front. Like I don't even do front fars." Um, but if I did, I need to think of Dustin Latimer. I need to think, okay, if I do a front-farve, I also had this Robert Levano's picture in my head. That I think that was the first time I saw a picture of it. Um, and maybe Brandon Casey, I'm thinking VG5 or 6 Somebody did a front-farve, and it was more of a, like a shifty-looking front-farve, but it was stylish. Um... Marco Hintze also anyways I don't do front farves because I don't like the way my farves look my feet are really close together but then I see this Latimer when I'm like man all it is is like you got to think of the most stylish boned out royale and you just have to do that but going the other way because I like my royales I like doing royales I like the feel of them um I like crouching on them so I'd have to think of doing my front farves that way anyways it's a big uh Big digression in terms of me trying aggressives and having an appreciation for either A, going really fast, and B, just a well-executed grind. I think that's like my enjoyment of aggressives have a lot to do with that. And then if I do try and do anything that is unconventional, I wanna do it fast and simple um, and that's where the big wheels have come in and for teaching me, like, don't go slow. And if you do try and be as controlled as possible, um, and be, you know, simplify your trick. And then watching skiing also, I think this beer is working watching skiing also has brought it back to, yeah, the v, the Josh Penny. <laughs> vg7 hey 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 hey. come on the simplicity of just good going fast simple trick you're in control you're fairly relaxed but you're also not trying too hard to look like you have good style um still be you just be you whatever you do you can do and then when you do do something just be you Uh, there was a girl that always said, when we tried to do an urban voice, it ended up sounding like Rocky Balboa. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Leon, I begged him when he was driving back from Calgary to, uh, he liked the 110 so much that he was almost not going to let me try them, but I got to try them for about a week. I got, I think, three solid sessions, one shitty one on top of that where it was so cold and I had to kind of rush before work. Um, so I got three somewhat solid sessions in them, one at the old park, one at the new park, and then um, one at that like dirty, that meridian spot, we made an edit, and uh, it's really crazy to um... (coughs) Lucy, Lucy better not bark you're going to get sprayed to think about the the evolution, so when I tried the Wizard nannies. I thought they felt long, but you could control them. And now those probably feel short because when I tried the hundreds, those felt long, but not limiting. They just felt like a different way of experiencing skating. So going pretty much like just simple control speed, backwards and forwards, that's kind of like what the hundreds are. Um, and there's extra stuff you can do pushing with your heels and carving and turning, but there's still so much to learn. Um, so those felt long and then to add length to those, it wasn't that they felt long. It's that they feel different because they have the rocker, but it's the way that when you lean on your back two wheels or front two wheels with the rocker, it's the way that the skate feels, um... Because the '90s are like, okay, I know this, I know the way that this works, and that's where you see, um, especially in like the Meridian Edit, like Todd Skates are super nippy and controllable, controllable. Whereas I'm in these one tens, and you have to actually skate the spot differently. Like that wasn't probably the best spot for the one tens. Um, we had to like sweep shit, and it was lit only in certain spots. I think if that spot was wide open. Um, The 110s and the 100s are, um, yeah, simple lines going really fast. Simple things that are controlled and going fast. That's all I can think of. Whereas the 90s are like the Big Wheels 2 style skating where you can, like, do more footwork and intricate stuff. Um, But I don't know. Yeah, I digress on that. Deep breath. The 110s added extra length and um, extra height, which, by the way, the height's not even that bad. I can have my skates completely undone in the 100s and the 110s and still skate around. My ankles are not in trouble. Um, In the edit at the New Park, I did like a wall tap to big gap and land fine. You just have to have the right boot for it and you gotta lace your shit up tight and have your buckle done up tight. I think. You can't, um, you can't relate how you do your skates up on your aggressives with how you would do your skates up in a big wheel setup. The 90s and the 80s, you can kind of have like tighter, tighter than the laces and on the instep and looser around the ankles and the buckle because you're not that high up off the ground, especially in aggressive. There's people like Ian McLeod. Um, I swear Latimer did too. Like, it looked like they had their skates super tight in the laces and on the instep and then the buckles were loose and ankle mobility meant, you know, more uh, range of motion in their ankles for the way that they could grind and everything. Um, could be wrong, especially Ian McLeod though, man, I'm pretty sure that dude keeps his ankles loose. You couldn't skate hundreds and hundred tens like Ian McLeod style it's more about having the shit laced up as tight as possible and like pushing with your heels and not striding very much at all, keeping your speed. And it's a great way of experiencing skating. Actually, it's, um, how you think you're supposed to use the frames and your setup at first is you start, you think that it's limiting you and you're not at the right spot. And then you realize that, no, there's just things to do in this setup that will enhance this spot, if that makes any sense. So like, I had a breakthrough session um, at the skate park early on this week where I realized that in the hundreds or 110s, if you go to a, a skate park like the Cantaloupe Skate Park, the newer one that just has amazing shit to grind everywhere, wide open spaces, super nice concrete, lots of lines, at first you're thinking, oh, I wish I, wish I could grind stuff. Um, I don't have the right setup, these are more for the street. And then you start to realize, if you just practice getting around the park, full speed, super controlled, um, there's speeds that you can get up to and there's ways that you can push with the skate that it's just not possible maybe if you're alex broskow and brandon smith you could you could you could do a decent job at finding some of these lines and keeping the speed but even then like on some of the flats and and some of the uh some of the areas where you might lose speed a bit you would still have to do a push either with one of your feet like a almost like a you know like a push out you know when someone's going fakie and they push with their foot to keep their speed you'd have to do one of those. And in the hundreds, and especially the 110s, there are points where you can go around the whole park. If you had the cardio and the training, you could go around the whole park for a full two minute run going full speed and not stride at all. You could just keep your speed and do very minuscule. It wouldn't even look like you were pushing or striding. And then it's like wow, that really takes the whole rollerblading-y look of rollerblading out of rollerblading. Because I think how I talked about it at the start, how we used to use skate parks. Of course we looked terrible. A bunch of uh a bunch of cattle waddling around on soap shoes with wheels, lining up to a ledge, missing grinds a bunch of the time, and like barely getting enough speed running up to a ramp and grabbing our boots and kicking out. Like I said, super fun. But now to cruise full speed, not do a grab and just cruise and then go from a carve into a wall ride, off the wall ride, land in a carve from that carve, launch the quarter pipe, land in another carve and your, and your, your line actually, like the way that you go from point A to point B to point C becomes one smooth movement. And and, and again, like I do know that Broskow has mastered this and thought about this in the way that he uses his setup. That rollerblading can have a very distinct style and look. And Julio said it on the podcast as well, of control. Um, So I don't know. I I think about how my the way that I use the bigger wheel setups now, especially the 100s and the 110s, it's a really, really, really unique and limited way to experience spots that you may have habits at, limited in the way that I'm not going to be able to do a full speed backside around the bull corner. But I don't want to skate the bowl in that setup. If I do, I would want to drop into the bowl for part of a line and come out of it and then keep that speed, go through another part of the park, if that makes any sense. God damn it, I gotta be. But the worst part of of trying aggressives and then trying hundreds and hundred, hundred tens is is that now I know for sure, and then soon to be, fuck, fingers crossed, that it weather is good tomorrow morning um, to try the bigs, Joe Gary's bigs of course, they're not mine, borrowing them. Um, that the in-between point, the in-between point for setups is a lot, uh, there's a lot more possible than I thought there was possible. Because when you start to try hundreds and 110s in the right boot and realize if there's enough support for your ankle um, that you could go to a 90 well and enjoying the length of those frames in the rocker you could start making a 90 that's like the big frames but metal with plastic like a like a Kaiser element, but oversized with a natural rocker. And you would have the middle wheels spaced out, but there would still be a natural rocker in the pattern of the wheels. And I'm starting to think that you have, you have like 60 and under, which is like amazing for grinding. And you can still go (laughs) fast if you're, like if you know how to use your skates. I think skating technique is learned on, you know, 72, 76, 80. A lot of us grew up skating rec skates first or hockey skates or, you know, you learn your skating technique in something that you go forwards, you go backwards, you learn how to go fast, you learn how to hockey stop. You learn all of these basic skills and then you go to smaller wheels and they're more limiting in in some ways, but your technique, if it's good, if you know how to use the skates, if you know how to jump into banks, if you know how to... Um, go up and down a quarter pipe or pump in a bowl then you have these smaller wheels and um, they're more stable they're lower to the ground and they're amazing for grind so like 16 under amazing grind setup and if you're a super skilled skater you know how to use that because you can use the other setups and now there's like the middle ground where i don't think it's just going to be you know power blade or commuting frames or slalom frames the bigs have proved that there's a lot of people who take their experience of of skating what they skated growing up but now you add a grind space in the middle and as if you can get used to the 72s which i haven't tried them enough one really short roll around and they didn't have the rocker so i don't know yet but (laughs) lucy it sounds like lots of people... Lucy, look at your face. Lucy, look at your face. You look, you look like you're stressed out. Um, yeah, that a lot of people really like their bigs, the people who have got them and tried them, and it's not like there's a lot of limitations. It sounds like there's more benefits than limitations in the bigs. So now, trying hundreds and 110s and 90s it's like well shit you could totally make an 80 or a 90 with an h block and it all depends this is the biggest thing this is the disclaimer of the entire podcast while talking about setups probably the biggest thing that i've learned in the last while and especially trying skiing and seeing people with so many different setups on skis is that there is no one right setup and apparently the whole like wheel size argument thing has been happening in mountain biking for a really long time and it gets really complicated and um, there was a great video that was posted where they tested they put like these three different wheel sizes that people had been arguing about for the longest time they put them through all these tests and um, They had data that, uh, you know, certain wheels perform better on certain things. The biggest ones were the fastest. But what about climbing downhill or climbing up hills or um, uh, rider weight and rider size and rider ability? Like, fuck. The disclaimer is there is no one right setup for everybody. But everybody should try as many different setups as possible. Not even... You don't have to buy stuff but like i love that there's those uh there's like blade trade outposts and blade tech and people posting shit on instagram and having conversations like experimenting with what you have or trading for stuff to try new stuff there's so much to try setup wise that you might find out like one minor little thing like trying a different footbed or rockering your skates, or putting a cuff that's a different hardness, or trying a different liner, or lacing up your skates a certain way. It's like there's not even enough time while you're on planet Earth to try every number of setups to find what you really like. But you can at least get closer to finding maybe your perfect setup. Maybe 76s spaced out with a rocker, um, with a high boot. Is gonna be like the one setup you use for most things. Um, I I do think we can get to that point where where you can do like the big wheel kind of skating, like the precision footwork slalom style skating, but you could mix it with grinding. And I do think like, fuck, you don't even need an H block sometimes. If there's enough wax, you can do a Royale or a frontside or a fast slide or a pud slide. You can do all that shit without an H block. It just there's no one right setup it's not like it's not like you have to have an h-block to do a royale it's not like you have to have a certain wheel size and i think that is really important too not only is there not one right setup but there's not one right user one right way to do things yes latimer did do a textbook farve in argon's probably anti-rockered um, you know, high cuff, really hard to bone over. But if you have skates where it's easier to do that, it doesn't mean you have to do it the way your skates want you to. You can do it your way. You can, you could do that shit in a slalom setup. If you whack something enough, you could do a Latimer front farve. It might even look even crazier or, or like you might even be able to come out of it differently because the way that your wheels grab onto the rail as you spin out, you know, this is the world we live in. This is, this is rollerblading. It's not one fucking thing, you know. It's not. It's not California in the '90s. It's not. Um, it's not Senate. It can be if you want it to. If you want to. If you want. If your religion, is Alex Broskow and KFC 2 Fuck yeah, do it. Do it up big. I support it. So, so after saying so, where I'm at right now is uh, I'm really into the way Joe Gary's aggressives feel when I borrow them, and I want to explore that. But in a, now that I know that I don't have to waste my time trying to do certain things that feel better in slalom skates or it's that's hard to explain knowing that i was exploring certain kinds of skating in the wrong setup now i'm a little bit more laser focused (laughs) laser focused in how i want to use my aggressives and now i know exactly how i want to use my bigger wheel setups this year so the exciting part about that is that there's going to be two specific styles of skating that I want to focus on. Not just one or not just the other. Two. And the goal is, personally, I don't know about Leon and Todd and whoever else wants to be part of this, wants to be part of this. Um, There's two videos that we're going to work on this year. Uh, The sequel to Mushroom Blading 2, It's gonna be a $500 uh, VOD, and then Big Wheels 3, we're thinking about pricing, I think it's gonna be about $1,000. It might come down a little bit, I'm not sure. But those are the two videos, Big Wheels 3 and the sequel to Mushroom Blading 2, and those are gonna be Big Wheel videos, Wizard Frame videos, maybe with some aggressive appearances, but probably not. Like Just to focus on what those setups can do. To just focus on that and not get distracted what the other setups can do because there's still so much time to practice with the other setups. And then still make aggressive collaborative content with the Hot Dogs Gods team. And then the goal would be after these two big wheel videos come out and we've explored all these setups to do a collab with Hot Dogs Gods and to do a VOD in 2016. And I feel like I want everything to come full circle. So I don't want to do just a big wheel video or just a Hot Dogs Gods aggressive video. I would love to meet in the middle somewhere. And I don't know what that's going to be like because I don't know if if skating the bigs you never know like you might skate the bigs and then start to think well fuck can we go to 76 or 80 um, you know what is the point could you make a metal frame a metal 80 frame um, push the wheels out to the edge push them up put wheel wells in the boots like I'm getting ahead of myself but everything that you learn on Big Wheels and Aggressive, like, there's gotta be a place where they meet in the middle, and that's where I love the idea of, like, making not one final video, but, like, really, really fucking taking grinding and taking Big Wheel skating and sticking them together, and then it being like, holy shit, rollerblading is so sick, because, yes, it's sick over here, and, yes, it can be sick over here, but putting the two together holy shit rollerblading is fucking crazy so sick to do like a sharp carve like a sharp big wheel quick-footed carve or something like that into a royale into a fakie stair ride into a sharp carve into a wall ride land and like like that idea of uh reimagining when rollerblading first came out and taking all the knowledge of aggressive skating and then all of the big wheel experiments and all of the weird shit and mashing it together and finally being like, holy shit. I think this is, I think rollerblading, I think we've kind of started to figure out that, that you can mix these two things. That's where I want to go very badly very very badly but you know we got a long way to go we got at least two or three years so keep your fingers crossed for me that the weather's going to be nice um tomorrow i think hopefully make a joe gary edit collaboration tomorrow and then wizard frame testing what do we have right now 14 13 There's going to be 20 of those and then there's going to be a best of those edits before we start working on the new stuff and then there'll be hot dogs, gods, collabs. There's just so much fun shit to work on right now. And I wish I was going to powwow, but, uh... It's international days for work, I have to film. And logistic wise, it was just the amount of money, I know the memories would have been worth over a thousand dollars, but that money going towards a tour, um like just close by here and making a video. There's so much more that I can do with that money. But god damn it, I gotta go to Powell the Blade Warship time. Anyways, love all you guys and um yeah, I love Drew backrex work. I just I feel like I'm not the only person who was thrown off by a four dollar charge on his return to rollerblading edits but i could be wrong maybe Montre got all of the money did montrey get all of the money let's hope so and oh we have new shirts they're amazing i'm wearing one right now it's a it called heather gray i don't know what it's called um and that's everything lots of st- stuff to be excited about Thank you for listening and, uh, damn, got lots of podcasts coming up. Lots, lots, lots.